Tonight, I'd like to talk about uh, God's idea for romance. And, and my friend Ryan Stacy, he shared the message last week, How to Be Single. Did a great job. Uh, and if you missed that, uh, we have a podcast. It's not on there yet, but I'm assuming it'll get posted at some point. So uh, check it out when it gets there. Uh, and, uh, but he shared a quote uh, last week that, that uh, was, uh, if dating is a game, then marriage is winning. And, uh, and I thought that was a really kind of a, a clever way to, to summarize what God's idea about what romance should be. Uh, because uh, ultimately what God's, God's design is, is, is that two people would uh, grow in affection and commitment towards one another uh, leading uh, to marriage. That, that ultimately that's, that's the, the end game uh, to reference uh, everybody's favorite superhero movie, right? Uh, and, uh, but it's, it's God's end game for romance. And, and if, you, if, you, if you're going to be single, or if you're, sorry, if you're not going to be single, uh, then you better figure out what marriage is all about. And, you know, it's kind of cool. We got a, a bunch of uh, engaged couples here that I, you, you, so good job, way to get engaged. In fact, uh, the dude sing. you guys are not excited about getting married. Well, uh, that's okay. But uh, hey, do you guys know uh, Paul, the guy who was singing and playing guitar? He got engaged this last week. Is that not cool? So give him a high five, uh, a handshake, uh, um, well done, uh, because he's on the right track. Uh, now, uh, some of you are here, you're single, and you're like, I don't even know if I like the idea of marriage. I don't know if I want to get married. And, and I would just say to you this, and, and I just let you in on a secret. Are you guys ready for a secret? Is that, that when Jesus in the Bible, when it talks about marriage, uh, it, it, it's not just talking about marriage. It's talking also about something else. It's sort of like uh, when your parents talk to you about the birds and the bees, they're, they're not just talking about birds and bees, right, with me? Or, or when Jesus talked about a mustard seed, he's not just talking about uh, mustard, mustard, right? Yes, he's talking about man, what it lo- looks like to live a life of faith. But when God talks about marriage, he, he's painting a picture uh, of what, uh, what love is supposed to look like, what relationships are supposed to look like, and how, man, how, we're, how we actually uh, um, can be united together. And so uh, whether you're uh, planning on getting married or not, this message will be helpful because when you understand marriage, man, you can understand how to navigate conflict, you understand how to love people well, how to forgive offenses. And so I'm so excited uh, to broach the topic for even for you who are anti marriage, uh, though I don't know who you are. I'm sure we have a few, right? And so, uh, so uh, with that said, can I just dive right in and give you the first point? All right, here's the first point. This is, this is a, the big idea. Uh, marriage, this is what marriage is in the, in the Cliff Notes definition. Marriage is two lives joined together completely. Marriage is two lives joined together uh, completely. It's, it's like, uh, 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 no, I won't do that. But that's how Jesus describes it in the Gospel of, of Mark. He says this, uh, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And, and so Jesus says that, that God's purpose for marriage is uh, for two people to be united wholly, like fully, completely, uh, two distinct it's, it's two distinct people becoming indistinguishable. And, and we sort of intuitively know this to be true, right? Like uh, you think about all the things that join together when you get married. Like you, you join together, uh, uh, you join houses and you become housemates, right? You join uh, together in, in the same room and you become roommates. 
you, you join beds together and you have like two twin beds together and you become, be, no, just kidding, but you become bedmates, right? Uh, you, you, uh, you join bank, banks together and you become bankmates, right? This is not actually how we refer to any of these things, but I thought, you know, uh, it's for the sake of synergy. Uh, it, but those are some of the, the tangible things that become one, right? Uh, but even like, even our identities emerge when we get married. Like, so for example, when, when I go and visit Patty at the hospital, uh, her, her coworkers, they'll, they'll, they'll point at me and they'll be like, yeah, that's, that's Patty's husband. And sometimes they'll say, my, my name is Ben, but they're like, that's, that's Patty. So they, they identify me, not just with Patty, but by Patty. I am I am Patty's husband. You guys with me? And, and so who you are actually uh, changes in the eyes of others. We, we intuitively understand that, that, that two, two people become one. And so, so people do this intuitively, but God does it intentionally. In fact, what Jesus says is that, that marriage is more than, than a contract. In fact, uh, it, it's, uh, it's really a, a miracle uh, that God does something miraculous when, when two people get married. It's, it's God weaving uh, two distinct things together so that they are the same. Uh, it's weaving together spirits and souls, hearts and, and minds. It's, it's sort of like um, two distinct metals being melted down and formed into an alloy. So it's like bronze and iron becomes, I don't know what it becomes, but the alloy that, that what happens when you combine those two metals, you guys know that's what Okay, anyway, so I didn't write that down, so uh, don't do that. But, uh, but uh, t- you actually change. Who you are is different, inseparable. And to divide two things that have become inseparable uh, is uh, pretty difficult, pretty painful. And, and uh, that's why marriage is such a big deal to Christians is because it's more than a contract. It's, it's actually a miracle. It's a sacred thing. It's, it's a holy thing that God does in people, and he does it in, in non-believers and believers alike. This is something that God does for all people, and, and uh, all people that get married, I guess, <laughs> clarify, but, uh, but it's something that God does. Now, it begs the question, though, right? If, uh, if the Bible teaches that marriage is God joining two people together wholly and completely, then, then why is it that so many people uh, hate their spouse, right? Like, you've ever met married people that don't like being around each other, just like rolling their eyes at each other like crazy? Or, man, why is it that, that, that so many married people don't stay married, right? Like, if, God, if God's joining people together wholly, then why are so many people separate? Uh, if they're indistinguishable, then, then how do they end up living uh, on opposite sides of the country, and understanding this next principle that I'm going to give you uh, will, will, uh, will help you understand the answer to this question, and it will under, help you understand uh, why any sort of relationship breaks. And, and here's the principle. You can write this down. It is, is what God joins together can be pulled apart. Pretty simple. What God, what God joins together can be pulled apart. Now, uh, my daughters, uh, they're 17 months old. And, uh, and they have this bag of colorful blocks. They're like giant Legos. You guys know the ones? And, uh, and they, they will, uh, inevitably, one of them every day will bring me a, a series of blocks one by one. And, and they'll hand me one block, and then they'll hand me a second block, and they'll wait until I put them together, and then they'll hand me a third block, and then I'll put it together. They'll hand me a fourth block, right? And, and this is the series of, of uh, building. This is how the building project works. It's very slow, uh, sort of like the, 
um, the, the, the train they canceled. But, uh, uh, but I, I put all these things together brick by brick. But here's what happens, right? They haven't mastered building, so they spend all their time breaking, right? They, and, and as soon as I finish, they begin to, to take it apart piece by piece by piece by piece. They, they, they take my magnificent pergola, my, my giant skyscraper, and they just tear it to shreds. It's so disappointing. It wasn't meant to be, but, but they, they, they break it apart. It's, it's all they really are capable uh, of doing. And, and uh, here's, here's, the, here's why I tell that story. Here's why marriages fall apart. It's because uh, people have uh, focused and begun to dismantle what God has put together. Uh, that, that people have pulled apart uh, the, the connection points between two people. In, in fact, uh, this idea is not something that I just invented or observed. It, Jesus says, uh, um, what God has joined together, let no one separate, it, implying that, uh, that marriages can be torn apart. And maybe you've seen it, and it's a painful thing to watch. But, but here's, uh, here's um, man, another place where God talks about uh, divorce and, and uh, gives us some insight into to why it happens. Check it out. This is Malachi 2. It says, uh, didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? So he's talking to husbands because there's a bunch of husbands who are divorcing their wives and leaving them in, in terrible situations. And, and it says, uh, didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit, you are his. So, and he says this, so guard your heart. Remain loyal to the wife of your youth, for I hate. Divorce. Now, let me just stop there. God, it says that God hates divorce, and, and the reason is, is because one of God's primary desires for people is that they be united, that they be connected. We, we wear these shirts on Baptism Sundays, which is this Sunday, actually, that say life is better together, and that's because uh, central to being a Christian is the idea of being unified, of being of one heart and mind, of, of having uh, our, our thoughts and our hearts and our, and our, and our desires be, being oriented around what God has called us to be and what God has called us to do. This is what, uh, what God wants for all people, and, and specifically in marriage, man, he, it's the, the place where people become most connected to becoming indistinguishable, right? Are you with me? So God hates divorce. It's like the opposite of what he wants for people. And then it says this, uh, to divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's army. And then he repeats himself. He says, so guard your heart. Do not be unfaithful to your wife. Now, now here's why I wanted to point this out. I mean, he repeats twice, guard your heart. Uh, he says, guard your heart. Uh, notice he doesn't say, watch out for your, bo- for your wife's boss. He's a late killer, right? Like, no, right? Like, he's like, the, the, guard your heart. Like, he, he doesn't say, hey, hey, uh, um, make, make sure you don't do this, this relationship long distance because long distance relationships never work, right? Like, he doesn't say that. He says, what does he say? Guard your heart, right? Uh, he, he, he's, he's, he's pointing to, to something that oftentimes we don't recognize. Uh, here's another one, okay. Uh, he doesn't say, uh, hey, make sure uh, you go to church because couples that pray together, Stay together, you right? You heard it, right? And actually, that's a statistical uh, uh, fact that like 90% of couple, married couples that pray together uh, don't get divorced. That's pretty cool. But, but he doesn't say that, right? He says what? He says, guard your heart. And, and, and that's because the only thing that can ruin a relationship, and this is, uh, this is like a game changer if you understand, it, understand this. The only thing that can ruin a relationship is a heart that's ruined, 
is a heart that's, that's uh, infected with a sinful attitude, uh, a sinful behavior, uh, a sinful desire. Man, hearts that are, that are uh, ruined, man, ruin relationships. And, and here's, uh, um, here's why. And, and it's the title of your message. You guys see together and apart. Uh, I, I, um, uh, when, you're, when you're married, you're always together, right? Like you're, you're together on a contract, right? But you, you live together, you, you eat together, you go on vacations together, and, and yet you can find yourself apart quite a bit. And maybe you've had this experience, right? Like you're with somebody, but you're not with somebody. I call this uh, TA syndrome, together and apart syndrome. Uh, and uh, I had a case of the Taz this week, and it was, uh, it was kind of uh, embarrassing. Anybody ever get the Taz? <laughs> I, maybe we'll get a cat, TA. T.A. syndrome. It's not funny. Okay. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, was, uh, I was sitting at the, ki- the, the kitchen table. I was eating dinner, watching Netflix on my phone, and, and listening to my wife, right? <laughs> and just all doing all three, multitasking, because uh, we're good at that, right? Uh, and so I'm sitting at the table and uh, uh, eating dinner and watching Netflix and listening to my wife. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, my wife is standing, like, right in front of me. Like, I'm sitting here, and she's like, <laughs> I'm going to back up. But she, she's, she's like, are you even listening to me? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm listening. She's like, well, this is always a question, right? Well, what did I say? And I'm like, oh, you, you were talking about your work schedule or something, right? Like I did what you do uh, when you don't know the answer on a blue book test, right? You, you get as vague as possible, and, and you just try and get close so you can get some points, right? Like that's what I was doing, and, and, uh, and she clearly knew that I wasn't listening. And, and here's, here's the thing is uh, I was with my wife, uh, but I was also eating and watching Netflix, and I was distracted. I, I wasn't with her. It was, it was almost like I was wearing earplugs for four sentences, right? I, just, I, I was together, but we were apart. And do and you know, the problem wasn't uh, that I, I had a, 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 an old leftover bowl of pasta. Like, that's not that interesting. The problem wasn't that I was watching Netflix. Man, it's that my heart was lazy. It was lazy towards the relationship that God had given me, that, that, that I, was, uh, um, I was just not interested in putting the energy into to listening to what my wife had to say. And, uh, and do you know that, that uh, this is just uh, extra for you, but, but laziness kills curiosity. You guys ever notice that? It just, it, you're just not as interested in, in what's happening outside of these walls or what's happening in that conversation over there. That, that oftentimes we're just, we're, just, we're just more interested in sort of chilling, doing our thing, not worrying about what's going on beyond us. And, and here's, here's the problem is that uh, um, if, if you're not curious, then it's very difficult to love people. It, laziness kills Love, because love is active. And, and, and this is what was happening with me in this moment. And, and here's, here's the problem. If you want to be connected to someone, you've got to be interested, right? And, and this is oftentimes why people don't end up dating. It's like they have nothing in common. They're not interested in the other person. But, but you see, uh, it wasn't my, my phone uh, or the food that was the problem. You get the point? It wasn't the external thing. It was the internal attitude. I was lazy in my marriage. And and, and that's sinfulness in me. That's a problem that's going to create distance, that's going to create separation. And, and do you know that when you, you let sin live in your heart uh, for long enough and you let these things compound and pile up, you find yourself like feeling like you're as far away from a person as you were when you first met. 
Do you know that's why people get divorced? It's, it's not usually just like a, a, a one-mistake thing, right? It's, it's a series of sinful behaviors and attitudes that lead them to a place where they're so far apart. There's, there's uh, so little trust and so little affection that, that they, they decide, I'm done, right? And, and here's the deal. If you don't guard your heart against sin, that's what you'll find happening, the, the gap growing between you and another person. And, and maybe you've had that happen with a friend or a family member or, or a classmate uh, or a significant other. I, I don't know, but, uh, but that's, that's what the Bible teaches us happens. And, and that's actually what happened in the city of Corinth. Uh, there, there was this, um, this church family, uh, but they weren't happy. They weren't united. Uh, they weren't loving really at all. And so Paul writes this letter uh, in the Bible, it's First and Second Corinthians. These are a series of letters that he's writing to this church. And, and check it out. This church family uh, had all, all kinds of problems, right? There's active lawsuits. Uh, can you imagine if there's just like everybody's suing each other in this room? Like, it'd be pretty weird. Uh, and, and then they're constantly arguing about what's appropriate and what's not. They're, they're constantly arguing about what they're allowed to eat and what they're not allowed to eat. Like, uh, no, no more sun chips, right? Like, but, uh, in, uh, sorry, I don't know why I thought of that, but uh, they were having theological arguments. And here's, here's the kicker, right? There's even a dude that got caught sleeping with his mother-in-law, right? Yeah, it's in the, it's in the Bible, right? Like, read the Bible. It's interesting. But uh, it's like, it's crazy. This church is so dysfunctional. There's so much division, and, and there's so much sin that's tearing them apart. And, and, and then God makes this appeal through the Apostle Paul. Listen to, to, to how he says it. He says this in, in 1 Corinthians 1, 10. He says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's just stop there because uh, you, you'll struggle always to be unified until you have a reason to agree. And Jesus is the reason that God gives us to agree. His ways, his call, his love for us. And then he says this, uh, I appeal to you that all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. And I, just stop there and think about that. He says, let there be no divisions among you, but be united in mind and thought. And, and, and I just want to point something out to you. If, if you're in a relationship and there's division, the reason is, is because you're thinking differently about something. Uh, how you're thinking about a situation uh, is, is not on the same page. And, and if you're going to be united, if you're going to uh, deal with division, then somebody has to lay down an opinion Somebody has to lay down a preference. Someone has to lay down their desire. Someone has to, uh, to lay down their life in a manner of speaking. Does that make sense? Uh, because uh, until, until you're able to agree, uh, there will always be a gap. Uh, and, and this is oftentimes why marriages don't work, why, why people find themselves uh, not embodying what God did and uniting a couple whole, wholly. And, and so he says, uh, and so Paul, he, he, I'm just going to keep moving on, but uh, he says, whatever the dysfunction is among you, make it right. Deal with it. Uh, uh, bring it to Christ and be united in, in mind and in thought because division is not what God wants for you. And, and just think about your own life. And are there, are there places in your life, man, where you're experiencing division with someone regularly? Man, and if that person's a believer, then, then man, there's no reason that, that you shouldn't be able to, to be of one mind and thought. Uh, because, man, when we surrender to Christ, he, he changes the way that we think and the way that we, we live. 
And so Paul says, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, be unified. Stop having theological arguments. Stop sinning against one another. Stop sleeping with your mother-in-law, right? Like, I'm sure none of you have done that, but, like, can you imagine if you had to say that to somebody, right? He's like, just stop, like, stop hurting people. Stop these things that are dividing you. Now, uh, before we get to the, the last point, uh, so I've made this claim that sin divides, uh, divides us from, from our Heavenly Father and that I mean, sin divides us from one another. And, and you may be thinking, well, that seems like kind of a, uh, a big claim. Like, surely there's other things that, that divide us. And, and maybe that's the case. But sin is at the heart of, of most of the things that really break relationships. I mean, there's a difference between uh, not talking to your best friend because they live 3,000 miles away and hating them in your heart. And here's, here's, I just want to give you three things that sin does uh, that, um, that, man, break relationships, that, that break marriages, that break friendships, that, that break uh, church families uh, apart. Man, so that, man, you can address them the way that God would have you address them. Sound good? I'll go through them really quick. So here, here they go. You can write them down if you want, no pressure. But, but sin does three things. And the first one is this. Sin wounds others. And when we do evil, man, it wounds others. Uh, you know, oftentimes there's things that we do that we, we think, well, it's not hurting anybody. But, but the reality is, is that, that sin always has a way of affecting the people in our lives. And, and, and here's, the, uh, here's the thing. Uh, there are lots of reasons why we do the wrong thing. Sometimes it, it feels good. Sometimes we do the wrong thing because we're afraid. Uh, sometimes uh, we do the wrong thing because we're just addicted to the wrong thing, right? Sometimes uh, we're just lonely, and so uh, we, we go about getting the thing that we want the wrong way. It, it, but sin always wounds people. And when you wound someone, it builds walls between you and them because if you sin against someone uh, then, uh, and they're wounded, man, how can they trust you? Because maybe you're going to do the same thing again. Like if, if you're always yelling at that family member when they make a mistake, then, then probably they're going to be pretty guarded about the mistakes they make in the future, right? It, it builds a wall between you. Uh, it, it can lead you to resent others, right? Oh, man, you wouldn't believe what they did, right? Like they did it again. And you're like, so every time you're with them, every time they tell a joke, you're like, that's not funny, right? You guys ever been there? No? Okay. Uh, well, that's the story of my life, but uh, uh, sin, uh, when, you, when, um, when you wound others, it, c- it can lead someone to try and get even with you, right? Like, uh, you, if you're trying to get even with somebody, then you're really not for them. You're against them. You're like, I'm going to get them back. I'm going to get mine, right? And if, if you're thinking that way. That's a problem. Okay, so, man, sin wounds people, right? Man, lying to people, stealing from people hating people in your heart, gossiping about others. Man, these are things that damage relationships. Here's the second thing. Uh, Man, sin uh, leaves us guilty. Sin leaves us guilty. And and here's the problem. Uh, Guilty people are afraid of being caught or afraid of being punished, right? Like, if you know you've done something wrong, uh, you're you're, uh, afraid of being caught, you're afraid that someone's going to judge you, right? Sometimes punishment is just someone's having a negative opinion about you. And uh, And so the problem, though, is, man, if you're living afraid, uh, then, then you're always going to uh, keep your, a distant, your distance with the people around you because fear leads you to do one of three things, right? Uh, to run, to hide, or to fight. <laughs> to run, to hide, or to fight. And you ever meet a person who's like always angry? And a lot of times it's just because they feel, they feel guilty about something that they said or something that they did, and, and they're trying to defend themselves against uh, judging eyes. Now, uh, uh, sin guilt, man, each of those things keep us uh, from truly being connected with others. And here's the third thing. Uh, sin makes us feel 
shame. And, and shame is what you feel when you believe that you aren't good enough. Uh, it's you, you make a mistake uh, or, or you think you're, uh, you're not pretty enough or you're not smart enough or you're not interesting enough. You feel shame. And, and shame is, man, an attitude that, that has rejected the, the idea that, that God has said, uh, you're my child, that you're worthy, that you're valuable, that you're made in my image. And, and sometimes we feel shame because of things that we've done. Sometimes we feel shame because uh, uh, of c- comparing ourselves to what others have and what we don't. But, but shame, it, it has this way uh, of leading us either to hide from people or to prove ourselves to others. And, and, bo- and, and both are implied distance, right? If you're hiding, you're trying to make sure that people don't see you, people don't, can't catch you, people can't get you, right? Like you ever play hide and seek? Right? It's just like the goal is to not be seen, okay? And, and here's the deal. When, when, you're trying, when, you're, uh, when you're trying to prove yourself to others, it does the same thing. Because if you're trying to prove yourself to someone else, here, here's the assumption you're making is that you're not welcome in their presence, that you haven't earned a place at their table, that you don't deserve to be their friend or their spouse or in the family. Are you, you with me? And oftentimes uh, the reason that we avoid church and small group and times of worship is because we just, we don't feel like we're worthy. And it creates this distance between us and God and, and us and others. You see, sin has this way of really breaking relationships, and a lot of times we don't even see it happening. Now, um, you, you might be nowhere near considering getting married, uh, but, but here's the good news, is that, that marriage helps us understand man, how, uh, how it is uh, that God deals with being together and being apart. That it helps us understand what it looks like uh, to, to deal with um, man, how sin wounds people, man, how, how sin leaves us feeling guilty and keeps us at a distance from the people that we love, or, or how shame keeps us from really being known uh, and, and knowing others. And, and, um, and, and here's, here's why, uh, is, uh, is this. Uh, marriage is a picture of what it means to be a Christian. Marriage is a picture of what it means to be a Christian. And, um, you know, you think about wedding vows, right? Uh, for better or for worse, in sickness and health, till death do us part, right? This whole, like, I'm with you no matter what, even if it gets really bad, even when the, the crap hits the fan, right, to be a little crude, like, I'm with you, man, even if you wrong me, uh, I'm, I'm with you, even if you can't do anything to help me, I'm with you, right? Could you, do you hear the love in that? Uh, and and, and uh, marriage is a picture of what it means to be a Christian because it, it's, it's, a, it, it's a shadow of a brighter reality. It's a, it's a reflection of, of the relationship that God uh, wants to have with you and with me. It's this relationship that says, I'm, I'm with you no matter what. That's the sort of relationship that God wants uh, between uh, us and, and him. And, and that's uh, how Paul says it in Ephesians 5, 31. And it, it's funny, you know, uh, the Old Testament says it this way, Jesus says it this way, and then Paul quotes the Old Testament in Jesus, and, and he says this, as the scriptures say, uh, a man leaves his father and mother, it sounds familiar, right? And is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. And then he says this, uh, this is a great mystery. Everybody say mystery. Right, it's a great, that's always a very mysterious way to say it. Well done, hushed whisper. It's a great mystery. And, and, and what he's saying is like uh, love and romance and marriage, 
it's mysterious. And, and I, I was uh, thinking about this. That I'm, so, uh, I'm so glad to have read this because I'm always trying to, like, give people, like, good dating advice. And, and what, what uh, Paul is saying here is, like, man, how, how love works, how, how two people come together, it, it's, it's really just a mystery. I, we, we don't really know how it works. Like, and and you, you, you probably found this to be true, right? Like, uh, how did they end up together, right? I'm trying not to point at anybody in particular. But, like, how did, like, they seem so, like, I don't know how that works, but it does, right? And this is, like, every, uh, uh, like, we spent hundreds of millions of dollars in our culture trying to explain the mystery of love, right? Like, when I was um, uh, a teenager, they came out with this book called Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus, you ever hear that one? And the whole idea of the book is that that men and women are for like from like completely two different worlds, and like if you're going to relate to them, you got to read this book, right? Because it's so confusing. And how do you understand the opposite sex? It's like they're from two different worlds. This is also every romance movie and every rom com, right? Like this is uh, two people from completely different uh, sides of the tracks. They somehow uh, coincidentally, mysteriously, they meet and they overcome incredibly these obstacles so that they can be together. We're like, how did that happen, right? And we love watching it because, man, love is a mystery. It's like, oh, maybe, like, that'll be how it is for me. But, but man, everybody's story is, he says, uh, marriage, people coming together, being united together, it's, it's a mystery. It's something that God does sort of mysteriously. It's like, huh? I don't know how that worked, but it, but it happened, right? And, and Ryan kind of talked about some of, some of that earlier uh, last week. But, but it's, it's this, great, <laughs> this great mystery, and God does it. And, and then he says this, because, uh, because man, Though we don't know all the times how dating works or how engagements are supposed to happen or how, how God unites two people together, God wants us to be clear about the point of marriage or at least one of the reasons that marriage is so important to him. And he says, he says this, he says, uh, uh, this is a great mystery, but it, it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. In other words, marriage is a picture of what it means to be a Christian. It means to be uh, uh, holy and completely connected to your heavenly Father, to the person of Jesus, uh, to the God who made you. In, in other words, what God wants uh, from you and from me is uh, for us to know him uh, more fully and for, for us to be willing to share our hearts, to trust him completely, to love him as deeply as we love anybody. Uh, do you see what you see, see what marriage is a picture of? It's just a shadow of, man, what, what our hearts are supposed to feel towards uh, the person of Jesus. This is, this is why marriage is so important. And, and here's the deal. Why, uh, uh, while um, how romance and marriage uh, happens is a mystery, uh, how God connects with us, how we become one with him, it isn't a mystery at all. Uh, how God deals with the sin that separates us from him is, is not mysterious at all. Uh, and he, he says it, it's, it's like marriage. He says uh, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. So it's, Jesus leaves heaven, leaves his home uh, to, to, uh, um, to find his bride and to rescue and save his bride, the church. And, and here's, here's how he does it, right? Uh, he lays down his life. Uh, he takes uh, on our sin. Uh, he, he pays the penalty of the wrong we've done. He, he uh, you could say it this way, he forgives the offense. Do you know that uh, there is not a single relationship that you invest in that you will not sin against that person? Like, you spend enough time with someone, you're gonna sin against them. And, and it's certainly true in marriage. You, you'll find yourselves uh, wounding the person that you love the most. 
and, uh, and what, what, God, what God is saying is that uh, marriage is a picture of, of people uh, willing to lay down their life to forgive offenses, uh, to, uh, to, t- to take the, um, the consequences of uh, the mistakes of the other person. You think about uh, how when a, a husband is a, a fool with his money, how the wife suffers. And, and what we're saying is that, man, uh, when uh, I'm, I'm with you and I'm for you, even when I suffer for your mistakes, we're one. It hurts. And Jesus does that for us on the cross. He, he takes our, our, our punishment. He, he's, uh, he, he, but it says, the Bible says it's by uh, his wounds that we're healed. And, and, and uh, it's this picture that marriage is this picture of, of what God does for us in Christ. He, he forgives us so that, um, so that the wounds that we commit against the person of Jesus are no more. He takes our punishment so, man, the guilt that we feel we don't have to, to carry. And, and he shows us how much he loves us, how worth, worthwhile we are to him by, by laying down his life for our sake. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that incredible? The, um, I'd love to share a verse with you just in closing. And, and I, you know, th- this is like uh, not, a, not a big, like a, not a, um, uh, the only place that we could get this idea that God uh, lays down his life so that we wouldn't have to be separated from him. Uh, but I thought I'd share it with you because this is the verse that we had read at our wedding, Patty and, my, Patty and me. And, uh, and it's because uh, we... What we wanted in getting married was we, we wanted to always be for one another. Man, even when we were offensive, man, even when we were hurting, man, even when we were ashamed of something we had done or, or something that we weren't. And, uh, and, and so, uh, man, we wanted to, uh, to learn from how God loves us um, in, uh, in, in our marriage. And so this is, this is the verse. You guys ready? Check it out. It says this. In Romans 8, it says, What, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Isn't that interesting? Because you choose the person you marry, right? It is God who justifies. Who who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's, uh, man, that's the, the picture that marriage paints for us, is that, man, God loves us so wholly, uh, so fully, that he lays down his life, even when we're offensive, even when we're his enemies, uh, even when we don't choose him, so that we might choose him because of his love for us. And, and here's the thing, the only thing that can separate you from God, uh, it, no, no person, uh, no circumstance, no hardship, no pain, only a heart uh, that is ruined, only a heart that's unwilling to repent and believe in the person of Jesus, uh, only you can keep you from a relationship with him. 
And, and, and so with that said, man, I'd love to pray for you, and I'd love uh, to, to spend some time just celebrating the fact that God loves us and chooses us uh, and teaches us, man, how to be together. Sound good? All right. Father God, thanks for these people. God, I pray for, for those who've come uh, um, tonight uh, just with division uh, in their families, in, in their friendships, and uh, maybe in their, uh, their relationship with their significant other. God, I pray that, uh, man, that the gospel would be a reminder that your son Jesus sacrificed on the cross and his resurrection would be a reminder uh, of what love looks like, uh, to lay down our lives for the sake of someone else, uh, to lay down our preferences, to be with someone, to care for someone. God, I pray that you would help us to love people the way that Jesus loves us. God, and I pray for those people here tonight who, who've never uh, believed in, in Jesus. God, that you would give them uh, hearts to respond as we sing. And uh, God, that you would be honored in this time. Thank you for the way you love us and care for us. We pray this in Jesus' name.